0: What is up and what is going on? Welcome into another brand new edition of the Rebuild Podcast, the only podcast that can decipher Freddie Kitchens' algebraic equation. So thank you, Freddie. As always, I am your host, Jordan Zerm. You can follow me on the Twitter machine, at Cleve Zerm. You can also venture over to iTunes and subscribe to the Rebuild Podcast. We... As you may now know, do one episode per week, usually coming out on Tuesday or a Wednesday. Um, was supposed to have a really fun and great guest. In fact, I even sat down and recorded an entire podcast with him. It was just, I did it. The audio was there. We talked. I thought I saved it. Turns out I did not save it because apparently uh, I am the worst millennial in the world, and I don't understand how to save audio, and so it was lost to the annals of history, and uh, we may never hear it again. Just kidding, that guest will be back next week, and I'm excited to uh, talk to him and have that episode for you guys next week, but since that fell through this week, I'm piloting my own podcast plane today, riding solo for this one, and... You know, what I wanted to talk about today was, first off, Freddie Kitchens' press conference. I just, my favorite quote that I referenced at the beginning of this podcast is Freddie Kitchens attempting to create an algebraic formula out of a desire to win, which might be the most, one, the most football head coach thing to do ever, and two, Infinitely funnier because of Freddie Kitchen's accent and the way he completely um, butchered what he was trying to say in that uh, the, the team's going to have we're going to have fun uh, and w- the, the fun is in the winning so uh, fun plus fun is in the winning equals that the Cleveland Browns we're going to win. That was essentially uh, what Freddie Kitchens said uh, before a live audience uh, at a live press conference. Uh, Freddie had a lot of other things to say. That one was my favorite. I think another favorite of mine is when somebody asked him, how did he know, or is he ready to be a head coach? And he just kind of went back at him like, "Are, are you ready to be a parent? Like, Freddie Kitchens has bars. Don't come at Freddie Kitchens with nonsense because he will take out some phrase that he learned in the 70s in Gadsden, Alabama, and he will throw it right back at you and you won't know how to respond because you actually don't know what he's talking about, which is how I felt for a lot of that presser was, Freddie, you seem amazing. And I think if I grew up where you grew up, I think I might be, you might be the funniest person I'd ever met in my entire life. But a lot of what you're saying, I do not understand. But on a serious note, I thought it was cool. You know, it's it's almost impossible to lose a press conference unless you're Adam Gase and you can't control your own eyeballs. But I thought Freddie Kitchens crushed it as much as one can crush it. He became self-aware in this press conference. He mentioned the uh, infamous dog pound hoodie that Nike still won't put on sale, which is really a punishable offense. I, I actually think that whoever refuses to release... The dog pound sweatshirts on Nike.com should be immediately sent to jail for a lifetime sentence. And I don't really think that's harsh, nor am I exaggerating at all. Um, But Freddie Kitchens uh, mentioned the dog pound hoodie that everybody loves that, you know, got him noticed as this giant bright orange man on the sideline. Um, So that was that was really great. All of his sayings, I thought, were really great. Um, The story about working at a car dealership and Alabama football and how much all of that meant to him was legitimately touching. And I am uh, really excited for the Freddie Kitchens era, not just because of the product on the field, but the press conferences are going to be next level. Like, if you thought Greg Williams had some great press conferences, just take Greg Williams and then cut out all of the uh, fabrications of things that he says, such as, I had 17 job offers uh, but could only end up as the defensive coordinator for the Jets, Uh, or, yeah, really anything that Greg Williams says, and uh, flip it on its head so they're all truthful and actually funny things, and that is going to be Freddie Kitchens' press conferences every week, and I'm almost more excited for that than I am the actual season, Uh, so... Freddie Kitchens, I'm ready for your era. I'm ready for all of the phrases that are going to be turned into uh, Cleveland t-shirt company currency. Like They're just going to be trading coins with Freddie Kitchens' face on the side of them because he's going to say so many things that they're going to be able to make shirts out of that the Cleveland t-shirt economy is going to skyrocket even more than it already is. So uh, t-shirt guys, get excited for that. I think that algebraic equation needs to be the first t-shirt Uh, Please send me royalties if you do indeed take that idea and make it your own. um, I will give you my address uh, in a private message. But I did want to spend some time today as well talking about and giving you guys a little bit of background information on the two, two coordinators that the Browns hired, offensive and defensive and just kind of get you familiarized with who they are, um, where they've been, the type of work that they've done at other stops. And if you don't know a ton about either coordinator, I think this is just going to be sort of a kind of quick tutorial, a, a quick briefing on, on each one and maybe a little bit of what you can expect uh, from both Todd Munkin, who is now the, the Browns' offensive coordinator, although Freddie Kitchens will still call plays, and Steve Wilkes, who is the Browns' new defensive coordinator, coming over uh, from a bit of a tumultuous year as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Things did not go super well, and they replaced him uh, with Ryan Gosling. Uh, so, uh, Steve Wilkes, I'm sorry, but you're in Cleveland now. You're here. We, we welcome you with open arms, and you don't have to worry Uh, about being an Arizona Cardinal anymore. It's a new chapter for you. So um, I want to start on the offensive side of the ball, though, because that's really what intrigues me most about either of the coordinators. We'll get to Wilkes, and obviously he's um, going to bring a bit of a different look to the defense than Greg Williams did. But Todd Munkin is such a fascinating hire to me uh, because Todd Munkin has had a really interesting background just in terms of where he's been and the sort of places he's coached. And I've tweeted about this and I've written about this, but we'll sort of start um, when he was maybe his most, the first prominent position that he had uh, most recently, I guess. Um, He was the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for Oklahoma State under Mike Gundy. Um, He was there from 2011 to 2012, so two seasons. And in those seasons, Oklahoma State's offense was astronomical. So in 2011, Todd Munkin's offense at Oklahoma State averaged 48.7 points per game. That was second in all of the FBS, and that was with someone named Brandon Whedon playing quarterback. Brandon Whedon, who during his very first start as a Cleveland Brown, not only got caught underneath the American flag, but then came out and proceeded to throw four interceptions. Brandon Whedon, who is secretly 55 years old. Brandon Whedon, who could not throw a screen pass to save his life. Brandon Whedon, who once um, tried to contort his arm three different ways and ended up throwing the football backwards and upside down for a fumble. That Brandon Whedon threw for 30-plus touchdowns in Todd Monken's offense. Todd Monken. 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 I'm going to go with Monken. Most people are saying Monken, so I'm going Todd Monken. Threw for a billion touchdowns in this offense in 2011, got him drafted by the Cleveland Browns. Todd Munkin essentially gave Brandon Whedon his career, which was be terrible for the Browns for a little while, and then just be the backup quarterback in, in places like Dallas and uh, and Houston. So shout out to Todd Munkin for creating a career out of Brandon Whedon. The following season, when the Oklahoma State Cowboys had three different quarterbacks play, none of which I had ever heard of, they averaged... points per game that was 2012 so todd munkin took brandon whedon and played three quarterbacks in one season none of which have gone on to do anything and averaged almost 50 points a game two years in a row so that gives you a little bit of a of a sense of what they were doing i don't care that if that was in the big 12 against trash defenses you're scoring almost 50 a game you're doing something innovative you're doing something great and you're doing it with quarterbacks who are not good So that's where we start with Todd Munkin. Todd then went to Southern Mississippi. He was hired for his work at Oklahoma State. He lands as the head coach at Southern Mississippi in 2013. Now in 2012, Southern Mississippi did not win a single game the year before Todd Munkin got there. So this was a bit of an uphill climb. They only won one game in Munkin's first year. They won three in his second year. And then in his third and final year, they went nine and five and got to a bowl game. He had a quarterback by the name of Nick Mullins, who you may know as the guy that was the third-string quarterback in San Francisco and when Jimmy Garoppolo got injured and when uh, their second-string quarterback also got injured in C.J. Bethard. It was Nick Mullins' time, and he played admirably for a dude that was not drafted. And in 2015, under Ted Munkin... Southern Miss averaged 40 points a game, and Nick Mullins threw for 4,476 yards and 38 touchdowns. Munkin also produced Ido Smith, who was the running back that year, rushed for 1,128 yards, and he now plays for the Atlanta Falcons. So Todd Munkin taking two dudes from Southern Mississippi and ushering them into the NFL where they both have had uh, pretty pretty legit success for guys coming from a program like that. So um, Munkin did his thing, turned around that Southern Miss program by his third year. Tampa Bay took notice in 2016 and uh, brought him on as sort of the quarterback's coach there. In 2017 and 2018 is really where Munkin flourished Um, As the offensive coordinator, 2017, Tampa Bay was fourth in the NFL in passing yards. 2018, this past season, Tampa Bay was number one in the NFL in passing yards. They averaged 320 a game, which is a ton. Now, they threw the ball a lot. They threw the ball almost 40 times a game. But when your defense is as porous as Tampa Bay's is, when you're getting behind in a lot of games, you have to throw the ball a ton. And once again, Munkin did it with quarterbacks who are not exactly what my definition of good would be. So you go from a Nick Mullins, you go from a Brandon Whedon, and now you're dealing with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston, and you're moving them in and out of the lineup, and you're you're trying to develop these rhythms with Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans. Now, granted, those are two elite deep threat-wide receivers, and Todd Munkin, as we will get to here momentarily, enjoys the deep ball. But, um, you know, you're working with quarterbacks who are not especially great. And if Ryan Fitzpatrick and Jameis Winston didn't throw interceptions like it was their favorite thing to do, uh, Tampa Bay might have had like one of the most prolific offenses ever this season, but that was, uh, unfortunately, both Jameis and Ryan are guys that like to convince you that this is the season they're going to be great, uh, and then maybe throw a pick directly into the face mask of a linebacker. So you just don't know what you're going to get from them, and that was something that Todd Munkin had to work with. But, you know, another stat here is we get a little bit uh, advanced, but uh, this stat is adjusted net yards per attempt, which is a advanced metric that... Um, A lot of guys that uh, places like Optimum Scouting and places like Football Outsiders and guys that take a little bit more of an analytical approach to football have been able to identify as one of the greatest predictors sort of of success on one side of the ball, whether it's a a quarterback's uh, adjusted net yards per attempt or just an offense overall, a defense overall. And so Tampa Bay in 2018, they had an adjusted net yards per attempt attempt. Uh, value of 464.3 yards, which is a lot. And that actually ranks seventh in the entire NFL. And four of those teams, four of those top teams are in the NFL playoffs right now. So four, four of those top teams are made the NFL playoffs, I should say. Uh, so four of the teams with, uh, adjusted net yards per attempt in, in the top, top six, I think, um, are in, are in the playoffs, and Tampa Bay ranks 7th. So their offense did a lot of really, really, really good things. Obviously, they didn't win a lot of games because of turnovers and because of a really bad defense, but um, Todd Munkin has done his thing in multiple places where there have been some challenges that he needed to sort of overcome. And again, he became Tampa Bay's full-time play caller just this season when, after Dirk Cutter gave him the reins for the preseason call, plays he impressed so much that Cutter just eventually gave him full-time play calling duties. Uh, didn't save uh, Cutter's job, unfortunately, but um, offense was not their issue in 2018. So Todd Munkin now comes over to the Cleveland Browns as a sort of offensive advisor. He's the offensive coordinator, but he's not going to be calling plays. But I I cannot wait for him to mesh his offensive mind, which is very deeply rooted in, in the air raid offense, which is something that I wrote about on my Patreon page that you can go and check out. But the air raid offense is essentially a select and small number of offensive formations, usually kind of featuring three to four wide receivers um, with a lot of just a limited number of formations that you can do a lot of different things off of. So, you know, one of the things that I mentioned in the article was the play that is called mesh and it is a staple of the air raid offense and it has become a staple at the NFL level essentially mesh is where you're taking your your two most innermost receivers on either side of the formation and you're having them run s- sort of shallow crossing routes over the middle and they run by each other so one of them goes over the other receiver across the middle and the idea is to essentially create as much traffic across the middle of the field as you can so that the DBs especially if they're playing man, um, get caught up either in a natural pick that's created or just trying to get around each other to follow their man or what have you. So the mesh has become something that has been been a very popular play call. You see Sean McVay and the Rams do it a lot. You'll see some of it from Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. and um, So that's become one of the most popular plays in the NFL, and that is one of the biggest staples of the air raid offense. Uh, four verticals, which we actually used to joke about how Hugh Jackson would just run that play all the time without any of the personnel to do it, uh, when he was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, is actually a big part of it, too. Uh, a big part of the air raid offense where you're sending four, uh, four receivers vertically down the field. But the thing about the air raid, too, when you run four verts is that it asks, and a lot of the plays in the air raid offense asks its receiver to run a route, but also if it finds space in whatever defense is, they're going up against to, to break off their route and settle into that space, especially against zone defenses. And this is why the Air Raid is able to run tons of different plays from only a handful of formations because the receivers are reading the defense, reading where they can get open, finding space, and then the quarterback is reading them. So you can run a ton of different things off various uh, various and limited formations in the air raid. And so that's where sort of Todd Munkin kind of comes from, especially underneath Mike Gundy, who ran the air raid at Oklahoma state. And sort of that was the first time that Munkin was calling air raid plays and being involved in that offense. So I'm very excited to see what Munkin can sort of bring into what, you know, Freddie Kitchens has already been doing for the Browns, which is, you know, he's taken a lot of deep shots with Baker himself, a lot of kind of max protections to let Baker go deep. Baker excelled throwing the ball downfield. As a rookie, and he will only continue to get better. And he was throwing to guys like Rashad Perriman and Rashad Higgins. And if the Browns are able to add a truly elite, deep threat to this offense, whether it's through the draft, free agency, whatever it may be, um, I think you're going to see this offense really take off. And I think you're going to see one of the most fun and creative offenses between Freddie Kitchens and Todd Munkin uh, in 2019. And that should be really, 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 really exciting because you know to, to be able to hopefully talk about the Browns offense uh, in the same sort of breadth in terms of creativeness and progressiveness as the Chiefs or the Rams, even the Bears, who didn't have quite the tools to run as incredible of an offense as the Rams or the Chiefs, but still were innovative with what they were doing with Mitch Trubisky and um, Tariq Cohen and some of those other guys. I think that's that will be really cool, and that's hopefully what you're going to see in 2019 as you meld the offensive brains of Freddie Kitchens and Todd Munkin together. All right, I want to take a quick break here to talk about one of our sponsors, MyPillow. Uh, it's Jordan Zerman. Like the rest of us, you probably made a New Year's resolution If you're planning to eat better, exercise more, be more patient, kinder, or whatever, it all starts with a good night's rest. So go to MyPillow.com, click on the four-pack special, and enter my promo code COZY, and you'll get two premium MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows. It's amazing what a difference a great pillow makes. If you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on their four-pack, shipping is absolutely free. That is right, no shipping costs, Zippo, Zilch, Nada, and don't forget about their 60-day money-back guarantee. There is nothing better than the gift of a restorative sleep. So go to MyPillow.com, click on the four-pack special, and use my code COZY to get two premium MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's MyPillow.com, or you can call 1-800-966-1472. And remember, my promo code can be used for any offer on MyPillow.com. Again, that's promo code COZY. Also, you've heard plenty of stories about the drug cartels. They're all over the news, but the crime ring you've probably never heard of is one of the most dangerous in the world. They are the Mennonite Mob. You heard right, Mennonites. 99% of them are kind, God-fearing people, but there's one group that has smuggled millions of dollars of narcotics from Mexico to Canada. Wednesdays, starting January 23rd at 10, 9 central, WGN America presents the new TV series, Pure, based on the true events of the Mennonite Mob. The show is about Noah Funk, the newly elected Mennonite pastor who is determined to rid his community of the drug cartel. But he finds himself in way over his head. And the good pastor, along with his wife, will do some very bad things, all in the name of protecting their family. Think of Pure as Breaking Bad meets Witness meets Narcos. Get Hooked on Pure. That's Wednesday, starting January 23rd at 10-9 Central, only on WGN America. WGN America is available on DirecTV channel 307, Dish channel 239, or check your local cable listings for the channel in your area. And now, let's get back to the podcast. Now, the defensive coordinator is Steve Wilkes, And as I mentioned at the top, Steve Wilkes is coming off a really difficult season as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. They were abysmal, especially offensively. Josh Rosen had a, a very difficult rookie season. Steve Wilkes. Changed Arizona's offense from, or excuse me, defense from a 3 4 to a 4 3. It did not go as he hoped. He didn't quite have the personnel defensively that he would have liked to use. And it just was a struggle all over the place. And he was fired after just one year as the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. But the year before that, he was the defensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers. And he spent a few years with the Carolina Panthers as their defensive backs coach, which is sort of where his specialty is. And uh in two thousand seventeen he did a really admirable job with that that Panthers defense and that is why his name was such a hot coaching name after that, because he'd really done his thing. He was on the staff when Carolina went to the Super Bowl. That's when he was a defensive backs coach and then he took over for Sean McDermott after McDermott was hired in Buffalo um as the um as a defensive coordinator for Carolina. And so so, some things about Steve Wilkes that are, that are kind of interesting is just what his sort of overall defensive philosophy is. And we can kind of look back to his time as defensive coordinator uh, for the Panthers to sort of figure some of those things out. And he played a lot of zone defense uh, in Carolina, especially when he was the defensive coordinator in 2017, he actually had the Panthers play zone defense on 72 and a half percent of snaps in two thousand and seventeen, so he he favors a zone defense doesn 't play uh, a ton of man at least didn 't play a ton of man defense when he was in Carolina, played a lot of cover four in two thousand and seventeen that was that was his favorite zone defense and cover four is essentially when you have um, four guys playing deep and and splitting the field into quarters. So whether that's two cornerbacks, two deep safeties, whatever the the personnel is, you have four guys kind of dropping back and taking away sort of the deep middle and deep kind of quarters of the field. So that that was his favorite coverage when he was with the Panthers. And that's going to be a little bit different than what you're going to what you're used to seeing from from Greg Williams, who um, you know played a lot of man, brought a lot of zero blitzes, brought a lot of really kind of crazy exotic blitzes. Now this is not that Steve Wilkes will not blitz. Steve Wilkes absolutely will blitz. He is an aggressive uh, play caller when it comes to the blitz. And if there is anything that's going to stay the same, it is going to be his aggressiveness um, in terms of the amount of, of snaps he's going to bring. Uh, blitzers on, he actually blitzed over the past two seasons, so that's one with Arizona and one with Carolina. Uh, he blitzed on over 50% of his defensive snaps, 51.1, and that was actually the highest number in the NFL. So Steve Wilkes will bring pressure, and then he will sort of play zone behind that um, in in various different, uh, different looks, but that cover four is one of his favorites to employ. So you're going to have a guy that I think... Um, is going to be really good with the defensive backs. He's going to be great for Denzel Ward. He's going to be great for Terrence Mitchell and Demarius Randall and those guys. And I, I think it's really going to only increase the strength of of the Browns' defense, which was really great against the pass this season. They weren't so they weren't so much good against the run, but that doesn't that doesn't really mean as much anymore because the run is such a diminished part of NFL offenses. And and Steve Wilks, I think what the Browns looked at when they saw him was a guy that was going to retain some of the aggressiveness uh, that Greg Williams was known for, but then also bring in a little bit of a, a little bit of more expertise with the DBs and against the pass and also play a little more zone defense and do things just a little bit differently than Greg did and hopefully not have tight ends gash the Browns' defense for uh, 100 yards every game. That was a Greg Williams staple. Um, and so I, I think what you're going to see from Steve Wilkes, there was a criticism of him in, in, in uh, Arizona, that he got too stubborn sort of playing um his nickel personnel. So even when teams were gashing Arizona with the run, he continued to play 5 DBs and he just wasn't going to he wasn't going to have seven guys in the box. He wasn't going to trot out three linebackers and four down linemen. He was going to add in an extra DB and he really wanted to stop the pass no matter what. And now, maybe the, there is a legit criticism of not being flexible enough with sort of the personnel he had um, to really make Arizona's defense the best version of what it could be because he didn't feel he had the right personnel. That's sort of what happened with Greg Williams, in my opinion, in 2017, where Greg just wouldn't play the defense that he knew he could and that he could that he he did play this season because he was too afraid of being beat deep, too afraid that his corners weren't going to be able to cover anybody, etc. Um, and that... I just, that can be a dangerous way to go because then you're almost just making it worse. Um, So for Steve Wilkes, I think... Perhaps that was the major criticism, that he wasn't flexible enough, but he is going to have the personnel here to play the way he wants. He's going to have a stout defensive line. He's going to have good cornerbacks that he can trust to cover, and I think that is going to be perfect for sort of what he wants to do defensively, and that makes me excited for Steve Wilkes as well. Now, I think I'm more excited about Munkin than I am for Wilkes, and I think there are still some questions about Wilkes. and you know, um, whether how much that pass defense can continue to improve and how much better the defense can be, the Browns almost certainly will not force as many turnovers on defense. It will not have the same sort of plus um turnover margin that they did under Greg. I think that was that is a stat that is always ripe for regression. And so I think next season that will be something that obviously regresses. So you're gonna have to do some other things. You're going to have to be more stout just overall defensively. And that's going to be Steve Wilkes' challenge is to uh, be stout both against the pass, but also against the run, maybe to a lesser extent, but just to make this Browns defense more solid in its foundation and not have to rely on, you know, 30 turnovers in a season or something outland, like that, because it's just not going to happen again. Um, and you can't expect it to happen again either. So we will see what Steve Wilkes is able to do, but I am, uh, I am absolutely excited for these new coordinators. I'm excited to see, you know what they can bring, and uh, the, the new looks about the defense and even the offense are going to have. And I think that's really going to be one of the most fun parts of the 2019 season. Uh, some quick hits before we get out of here. I hope that helped you learn a little bit more about both coordinators. And we're going to talk more in depth with a guy that knows them really both very well next week, and give you even more uh, in depth stuff about their offense and their defense uh, for both Todd Munkin and Steve Wilkes. Um, we a couple things just wanted to hit on. So Nick Chubb, this is, I don't understand um, TMZ. Like, I just don't, I don't understand paparazzi. I don't understand the type of questions I ask. I don't understand any of it. And one example of why I don't understand it is because somebody from TMZ found Nick Chubb walking out of LAX. Now, if you remember, Nick Chubb, like, nobody notices Nick Chubb. If you remember, like, on Hard Knocks, he would go places. Nobody had any idea who he was. I was at training camp. And Nick Chubb came off the field to say to, hello to what I think were a couple family members. So he, like, came off the field and was literally, like, standing in the crowd. And nobody had any idea who he was. Nobody was asking for his autograph. He, they just totally let him say hello to these people. And everybody was just like, I don't know who that is. Nick Chubb is very nondescript. He does not talk a lot. And when he does, he's very quiet. But I just thought that was the funniest thing in the world. I was like, nobody notices Nick Chubb. Nobody has any idea who he is. Now... Did he have the type of season that will get him noticed a little bit more? Absolutely. But Nick Chubb is not somebody that, unless you're like a diehard Browns fan, you're just going to notice walking down the street. Like, he is just a very plain-looking dude. Some some guy for TMZ caught up with him. and First of all, this guy's British, so the accent is incredible. This TMZ guy catches up with him outside LAX. He's walking to a car, a rental car, whatever it is. And just starts asking him questions about first he asks him why he's wearing pajama pants. Nick Chubb's wearing these, like, Batman pajama pants, so that clearly that needs to be your first question as Nick Chubb is walking to his car. So he's like, oh, you always wear uh, Batman pants on flights. You know, so really great start to an interview. Then he starts asking about who should win Offensive Rookie of the Year, and, of course, um, Chubb stands for his guy, Baker Mayfield. And then (laughs) they're at the elevator, and he's like... "Uh, Uh, so you were a shot putter in in college do you think if you could have been or in, in high school do you think you could have been in the olympics if you had really kept up with it just like what are you what are you doing man what where are these what what sort of like linear route do these questions follow and why are you asking him about shot putting while he's about to get into an elevator and then it's as if this TMZ guy like forgot what he was supposed to ask and remembered it right at the end. He's like, oh, are you, going to, you guys are going to make the playoffs? And Nick Chubb said yes. So uh, th- that's the hook there. So good for Nick Chubb for just being like, yeah, we will. We're going to do it, strange British man who was following me with a camera for TMZ. But my bigger point here is I just don't understand TMZ. I don't understand the list of questions they have for people as they uh, run after them walking out of an airport. And I don't understand how this guy found Nick Chubb. Like, was there one guy who was like, oh, I wonder, let me look up Nick Chubb's flight schedule here. Let me get the inside info on when Nick Chubb is coming out of LAX, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get him. I'm going to get some really good answers out of him. Like, I just, I don't know, man. I don't understand TMZ in general, but that one, staking out for Nick Chubb coming out of LAX is a, uh, that one's a new, that one's a new one. So, but good for you, Nick Chubb. Brown's making the playoffs, clearly. Um, Another thing I mentioned, Greg Williams is officially going to the Jets as their defensive coordinator, where he will link up with crazy-eyes Adam Gase. I just, their interactions on the sidelines are going to be fascinating, especially if like the Jets get off to a poor start, because that mix of Adam Gase, who is the most intimidating person with a hat on I've ever seen, and the most... Um, clinically insane person without a hat on I've ever seen like the difference between Gase with a hat and Gase without a hat he's like two different people and Greg Williams is Greg Williams and I think Greg Williams might go back to insane person Greg Williams now that he doesn't have to pretend to be this professional head coach as he did not get a head coaching job Um, so that could be a, um, a cocktail of disaster and I am so here for it I'm so here for it I love Sam Darnold Uh, I think Gase deserves another shot at a head coaching gig, but man, if the Jets start out poorly and Greg and Gase have a little dust up, I just, I want it and I'm excited for it because it's probably going to happen. So uh, I'm here for that, but Greg Williams is now officially the defensive coordinator for the Jets. So we get more Greg Williams in our lives. And finally, um, I watched Baker Mayfield stream Fortnite uh, for a little bit the other day. He's pretty good. He's, um, He's pretty good. You know, I play and I some games I'm fine most games uh I'm very bad and uh I it makes me laugh how uh, some of the deaths that I've had in Fortnite because of how embarrassing they are and luckily I, I no one is watching me and I'm not streaming because I would have no viewers but you know I wanted to check in on Baker see what the competition looked like and you know what he was fine I logged in, saw him die, he got revived by a teammate, and then, you know, he looks like he's decent at building, and looks like he's a decent shot, and, you know, good for Baker, doing his thing, twitching on, uh, on Fortnite. Uh, if you want to uh, play duos with me, Baker, I'm here. Um, you know, schedule's open, I got a lot of time to sort of play F-Night with you, I think that's what the cool kids call it, so holler at me, Bake, you know, let's get a game or two in. Get this thing going. I'll wear, I'll dress up as a character with your jersey number and make it as weird as possible. So if you, if that is what you're into, um, uh, please message me later for my gamertag. I'll bring the natty lights. We'll we'll have a great time. Um, Anyway, that has been another episode of the Rebuild. Once again, you can follow me on Twitter at Cleve Zerm. Please subscribe to the Rebuild if you enjoy it. Give it five stars if you enjoy it. If you give it a four stars, fine You know, it's rude, but it's fine. I'll accept it. Um, And next week, again, we will be back on the guest grind. I will actually record the audio this time, and um, it's going to be a really good conversation. Uh, Guy works for SB Nation, so I'll kind of tease that out. But it should be a really fun conversation next week as we continue to watch how the Browns are building out their staff, who else they might add. Um, Maybe we'll touch on some of the problematic comments the new special teams coach for the Browns, has had in his past. Uh, that's somebody I need to bounce. You know, that's, that's a conversation I'd like to have with more than just myself uh, because it's, uh, there are a lot to unpack there, a lot to unpack. But uh, we'll get into plenty of that. Um, but as always, thank you so much for listening to The Rebuild. We will be back next week with another episode, and I will talk to you guys then.